0: Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Two Cyber Chicks podcast. You're about to join Erica and Jax for an inclusive cybersecurity conversation designed to educate and break the stereotypes of cybersecurity professionals while providing life hacks on how to handle burnout, networking, and goal setting. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever.
1: I am so pumped to have you here. I've been hyping you up to Jacks for honestly a few months now. I was hoping to snag you for the podcast. I think you're such an inspiration to women in technology, obviously beyond that, but personally, I've loved your journey. And when our paths have crossed career-wise, it's just been clear that you're a rock star at what you do. You're formally educated in the technology space. You've done research work, volunteer work. You've held titles with some really extremely well-known organizations. Without spoiling too much, I'm just going to kick things off hopefully by you giving a background summary for our listeners today on your experience and how you've gotten to where you are today.
2: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited to be here and, you know, the admiration goes both ways. So I'm very excited to get to catch up with you again. It's been way too long. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. So I guess to give a little bit of background about myself, I have kind of non-traditional background, if you will. Which, you know, may be the story for many people, but I actually started my undergrad degree in music. My father's a musician. My mom's a businesswoman. I went the musician route and was studying at, the, at SUNY Purchase up in New York. So I got my bachelor's in music and then I realized, well, this, <laughs> this isn't really going to pay the bills, I guess, in the long term. So I should probably start looking into something else. And while I was in school, I ended up getting a part-time job at Apple. I was originally working there and on the sales floor, but then I went the the technician route because I've always been pretty analytical and process driven. So I ended up kind of, I was with Apple for about six and a half years until I landed my internship with Citrix. And I was in an internship for about nine months and then got converted to full-time as a cloud DevOps engineer, which is where you and I met, and then Basically, I decided to go and finish my master's, but I did my master's in computer science and got that finally during the pandemic, and now I am over at Databricks, so I'm working as a senior technical program manager for security there.
3: Wow, that's a diverse background. Talk about going from being a musician into cybersecurity, and now you are doing, you're a senior technical program manager. So, two-part question on that. What does a senior technical program manager do? And then out of that, what does your day-to-day look like?
2: Yeah. So I guess more of like a technical program manager. If you think about like a project manager, you kind of have a start and an end date for, for something. And it's usually in a shorter amount of time. Program managers kind of take the project aspect and get expanded across multiple projects. And usually it's more of a kind of like an ongoing, you know, strategical execution path. So it, rather than it being maybe like a couple of months, you might be running something that could take a year, a year and a half, two years. So at Databricks, I'm doing kind of more still on the on the project management side at like for right now because our team is pretty small. So at Citrix, we were, we were a team of around 60 plus, you know, TPMs, that's kind of what we call ourselves. And here I'm on a team of one of three. And so there's a lot of work and not a whole lot of us. So we're kind of filling the gaps where there's more of an immediate need. So right now I'm working with two teams within the security organization, the Databricks. One of them is the enterprise security team. And then the other team is the product security team. I've worked with the teams to help build their, their sprint planning and get them into a cadence of kind of grooming and doing some more of like the, your typical scrum master type role for now. And we've got some other, you know, larger ongoing projects that we're working on that we're trying to expand across the entire enterprise. So typically on a normal day, what I'll, I'll do is we have our daily standups. So we meet with the teams, kind of get a pulse on where things are. And then I'll do touch bases with our leadership team. On anything that's outstanding, make sure that we're we have enough of that follow-up and follow through happening so that we can keep our priorities on track. And then if there's anything major or any like timelines that we're looking at for anything that's very project specific, I'll set up maybe even like separate stand-ups just so that we have dedicated focus on those particular items to make sure that. You know, we have an owner, we have an ETA, and that we're getting things done and we're tracking towards our goal.
3: Yeah, it sounds like within this space, you've got to be definitely organized, attention to detail, have a strategy and a plan of where you're at and where you're wanting to go, and be able to move a lot of different pieces with a small group of people. You're saying you have a small team, so it's a lot to handle. And you also have like a technical side, so you've got this project management side. And also a technical background, which in some ways can make you a unicorn because you don't always see that. So I'm curious, and I'm wondering, how does your technical side accentuate or help you on your the program management side? So I mean, that's
2: that's a great question. I think that I'm lucky to have that background coming from the DevOps engineering side, and I think that you know when you work as a DevOps engineer, part of your responsibilities is on call. And when you have lived through on call, you know, your holidays, your nights can get interrupted. And so you start to kind of think of things like, how can I prevent some of these things from getting to a certain point, right? And so we'll have, I've had some discussions with some of our engineers where, where we're talking about, you know, developing new features and things like that. And, and then I can come in and say, okay, so what's your plan for monitoring? How are you going to monitor that? You know, like, how are you going to know when something starts to kind of go off track right and they say oh that's a good point i forgot we have to you know we have to make sure that we have monitoring and alerting in place because sometimes what happens is when you have someone that's working as like a software developer they kind of just want to create the features get it pushed out and then you know then it gets handed off to somebody else to maintain right but i've been on the more painful side of that where you know something's gone off or it's been you know extra noisy and it's you know they're either like false positives and Now I'm looking at this at 3 a.m. and I have to wake up and get people on the call only to find out that, you know, this is a false positive and everything is okay. So I think having that experience also gives me a different level of empathy to try to prevent that from happening to, you know, to other teammates.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. You've had such vast experiences from like the DevOps engineering side of the house, like cloud ops and like the program management umbrella. I mean, you've really, you've really gotten these cool kind of like takeaways from each role that you've had throughout your career so far. And I'm sure like all together, they've shaped like who Delia is today. With all of the vast experiences that you've had, have there been any like experiences that you think of in the top of your head that you're like, wow, this was a key moment that helped shape who I am today as a professional. So like teams that you've worked on, projects that you've worked on, a specific role that like you wouldn't be here in the role that you're in today, if you hadn't had that experience?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, when I was doing a lot of the work with our SOC 2 and our FedRAMP kind of working with teams, it it gave me a lot of opportunity to work with different groups and figure out how to coordinate and how to communicate effectively and how to plan ahead. And so I think that, you know, for me being able to get involved with some of the GRC stuff, which is where Erica and I kind of, that's where we formed our relationship. It helped me learn how to prepare well in advance, right? So for audits, for evidence and things like that, to give you an example, anything that we would need to show as evidence, I would end up kind of doing my homework way before our audits, putting together all of the links in a folder so that, you know, I wanted to be respectful of, you know, everyone's time that was in the room and I wanted to come prepared. And by doing that, I said, okay, well, here's this control. So let me go and show you the evidence that we have for this control. And I had all my links ready to go. And in a way, I think that that experience kind of organically prepared me to be a TPM because it helped me really kind of organize myself and help organize others around me. And, you know, it was also the thing is when when you're a TPM, you don't really have a team. So the expectation is that you have to be able to influence others without being their manager per se. And so... I ended up bringing this practice back to our GRC team at Citrix, and they worked with other teams to create a similar format because it just made everyone's life a little bit easier, and it made the audits go a little bit more smoothly. And
3: yeah, I love that you have like a very diverse background in this space and what you've done, and I really like that. And then on top of your hands-on experience that you have. You also have certifications. You have numerous certifications. And if that wasn't enough, you also have a master's of science in computer science. What was your motivation in getting a master's when you have this experience? You have these certifications. Was this something that you had always wanted to do to pursue and achieve your master's?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, being in the industry and being at Citrix in particular, like you're just surrounded by so many incredibly intelligent people. And so many of them have degrees, whether it's a bachelor's in computer science, a master's in computer science, you know, my mentors that were there, they had their master's and I had a bachelor's in music. And I'm like, okay, I kind of feel like the outsider, you know, like, I definitely am the one like, which one of these don't belong? Like, okay, the bachelor of music kind of sticks out. And so For me, the motivation was really more of a personal motivation. I wanted to prove to myself that I could play at the same level as my colleagues. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to find a professional master's program, which allowed me to continue working full time and doing on call. And I would go to school on Saturdays from eight to five, and it was twice a month and it was an accelerated program. So it was one full course per month for 10 months. And it was (laughs) this, I actually had started in 2019 with the professional program because I had enough real world experience to be able to get into this program. And then halfway through the pandemic hit. And if trying to go through an accelerated master's program wasn't hard enough as it is, throw a pandemic on top of it and having to switch from you know, being inside the classroom and having that dedicated focused learning environment to now being in this exact same room that I'm in right now, you know, from nine in the morning to six, and then from seven to 10 working on my master's. So, you know, one of the things that that came out of that is I felt so much more resilient as a person after going through that master's, like I probably learned more about how to stay composed and how to like, get through a really difficult situation in that one year alone. So I didn't go into my master's thinking that I would come out with that, but I guess it's an added bonus.
3: Oh my God. That is such a great story of resilience and agility right there. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. So you accomplished, and I'm also getting my master's right now, and I'm on summer break and I'm going full-time, And it's exhausting. Erica knows like I'm taking full advantage of summer break right now because it's just like when it's when September hits, I have no life. But I'm almost done. So you're getting your master's and you have certificates. And we like to ask this. I love posing this question to individuals because there's always the great debate among certificates versus academia. What are your thoughts on having certificates, certifications in this space versus getting a degree, even a bachelor's degree?
2: Yeah, I mean, so I think that there are definitely ways to have a career without needing to have the degree. Like I said, for me, it was really more of a personal motivation. Like I just wanted this because like I felt like I needed to earn my own respect and kind of like my own street cred, if you will, among my colleagues. And like I wanted that master's for myself. You know, did I really need it? No, because I had five years experience now in the field and I'm certainly not going back to a retail store after working in the industry for this long now. So but when it comes to certifications, I think that certifications are really beneficial to helping you build out your skill set. It's very specific. It's very time bound. Whereas like when you're pursuing a degree, you're covering a vast amount of categories different topics and all these things but with the actual certifications those can typically help you get to the next level in your career like let's say that you need a CISSP in order to go to the next you know like leadership level you know within your own security org right so you don't necessarily need a masters in computer science to be able to do that but if you have some of these you know these certifications they're just more tailor made to helping you strengthen a very specific skill set I think that's a, that's a great answer. I think, and I'm going to just show that I'm an
1: auditor because it depends, <laughs> right? That's like the golden answer. It mm-hmm. always just depends on what you're looking for, the organization that you're, that you're at, you know, and what your immediate like desire is. Do you need to learn a set? Do you need a piece of paper? Do you need to show quick competence right. on something? Like exactly. right, what's the end goal? So it's cool to have both. So congrats again on the master's. I think that's such a huge accomplishment. And Jax will be joining you soon. I know she's counting down the days. It's, it's so hard to juggle both a full-time job and school, which is another full-time job. So hats off. Hats off to you two ladies.
2: Yeah. And I think too, you know, the, like the thing about, you know, pursuing a degree, it, it shows that you have stamina and that you can stay with something, right? And that you're able to learn and and you can get through these mm-hmm. roadblocks and challenges that get thrown at you. You know I, know, I know two really incredible female colleagues of mine from Citrix. They're both directors and they're both pursuing their master's in cybersecurity. Do they need to? No. Do I have so much respect for them because they're doing this even on top of being a director? Absolutely. And I think that especially for women in this field, kind of going back to that, there really aren't a lot of us that get to that level. When I was doing my master's, I was one of two women in a class of wow. Nine to 21 students. In my CISSP training course that I just completed, I was the only female in a class of 15. And so I think that it just, it like, for other young women coming into this field, to see that, I feel like also kind of can lead to be some inspiration for them as well to continue learning and pursuing, you know, and building their own, you know, toolkit. Preach, preach, preach. So, I mean, this is a great segue. You're known in the industry as being
1: just an active advocate for women in in STEM and women in general, period. I mean, you're a speaker, you've done the mentorship thing, you've been nominated for several awards. And specifically, it's all about the impact that you've had. So when people approach you about like this experience, are there any highlights that you share in terms of how giving back to the community, how your involvement has really helped to shape who you are today?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I, I wasn't really... Like expecting to come out of this. So when I was at Citrix, I would be invited every summer to go and talk to our summer interns, and that was probably one of my favorite things to do because I had been in their seat and I kind of know the struggle of you come in and you think that you should know all these things, but that's not really reality. Like you don't you don't know the tools that you have to use. You probably never use Jira. I mean, they don't teach you that in your bachelor's courses, that's for sure. And so you know, one of the things that I would share with them that ended up kind of resonating more than I thought it would was my own journey when I was an intern. I don't know if you know that story, Erica.
1: Oh my gosh, no, I don't know your intern story.
2: So this is kind of cool. So I started, I was the first intern for like, it was the first cloud DevOps intern. And, you know, I had started doing a lot of tickets, trying to copy the guys on my team. I was the only female on my team at the time and the first, you know, female cloud DevOps engineer at Citrix. So I was kind of following suit and trying to do what the guys are doing. And as I started kind of building my intern resume and I was able to go to my director and say, okay, you know, here's what I did this week. Every single week I would set up an appointment and say, okay, here's what I completed. Here's what I did. Once my internship ended, my three month internship ended, I kind of just asked, I was like, can I continue my internship? Like, can I keep working here? And they would say yes. So I got an extension. And then after my second extension, I was like, okay, now it's time to like get into full-time employee mode. Right. So I started going to my director and I was like, okay, you know, what do I need to do to, to earn a full-time position here? Cause I know I've been doing this for a little while. And he said, well, you have to talk to my boss who is the senior director. And so I said, okay, no problem. So then I went and I spoke to the senior director and he said, well, you have to talk to our VP. And I went to the VP and he said, Well, you know, we just got a new senior VP, so you need to talk to him. And it was actually (laughs) during International Women's Day. So it was March 8th of 2017. March 8th, 2017. And our senior VP happened to be in the crowd that day. And so after the whole presentation ended, I sought him out in the crowd and I just said, Hi, my name is Delia. I've been working here for nine months as an intern here's all of the things that i've accomplished and i wanted to know, you know, what do i need to do to earn a full-time position here. and so, he told me that he would take a look at the budget and he would talk to my team and see what he could do. that night he went on my linkedin and 2 weeks later i had an email from him directly asking if i had heard anything about my full-time offer and i was given a role the next month. so I share that story with the interns because it's really important that you take charge of your own journey. And I didn't think that that story was going to resonate and inspire as many interns as it had. But you know, my friend Alexa Rubens, who's who's at Citrix, I don't know if you know her, but she she tells me like that is like that story stuck with her, and it's something that I think, especially being a female in the industry, it's important that you use your voice, right? I think oftentimes we're kind of expected to be a little bit more quiet, more polite and wait our turn. And I just wasn't having that. I knew the work that I had done. I had the numbers to show that I'm outputting the same amount of work as my other colleagues that are full-time. And I just wanted to figure out what I was missing and what I needed to do to earn my spot. And I got it. That story is awesome. I can't believe I'm just hearing it, but I'm glad
1: you shared it, especially here. Talk about just paving your own way and climbing up the ladder. I mean, you had a lot of hoops, a lot of people to, to talk to, to make that happen, but you did it. And that is awesome. So just a quick ask for tips. So for anyone that's like wanting to get involved in internship, kind of like support mentorship opportunities, like within your organization, do you have any tips for
2: getting started and getting involved and kind of giving back? Yeah. So for, I mean, for, for anybody that's looking for an internship the you know, the way that I did it was I, I did it through my school, So they actually had Citrix coming onto campus and I made sure that I had my resume ready to go. It was updated. So my first tip would be, you know, update your LinkedIn, update your resume and just show up. The first step to actually landing an internship is being there to hand your resume to the company and to make that initial connection. And then I think once you get into a company, it's important to seek out a mentor because again, like you have to be the person that's driving your own journey. So if you want to continue to develop and grow, don't wait for somebody to come out and to seek you out. And you have to put in that that initial effort to go and try to find somebody and then schedule recurring time with them, right? Whether it's weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, wh- whatever it is that they can give you, but get something on their calendar and make it consistent.
3: I love that. That is a great note to end on because I actually have, I love mentoring and Erica knows that. And I think it's critical in this space. And I've heard, I read a book one time and it was written by a male. And he said that you shouldn't ask people to be your mentors. You need to like go about it in like different ways. But I don't agree with that. I think that if you want something you go after just like you did, which I love. So this is a great story to show. Like you went after it, you said, and you asked for what you wanted and you received it, and you're a great mentor in the space, and I love what you're doing. How can other women, other people trying to break into this industry, how can they contact you to either like pick your brain or have you as a mentor?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I would love for people to reach out as well. I'm more than happy to share my knowledge uh, and just my experience as well. And I know that I'm going to also take away something from that person as well, right? I feel like you know, mentorship is always a two-way street because you don't know everything that that other person knows. So you can, you can definitely reach out to me on LinkedIn. So it's linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Delia drum. That's probably the best place to get me. Cause I check that more than anything else aside from my work email. <laughs> but I mean, again, like I've also been really fortunate to have someone in my life that has been a mentor since I was very little, which is my mother. She was a COO, so she was definitely a, you know, the boss woman. She's still the boss woman. And I grew up in a household where my mom was the one that kind of ran the house. My dad stayed home. And so I grew up thinking, oh, so this, so so women, you know, just like women are in charge. I get it. Okay. So I didn't really kind of have the more traditional, like the quote unquote traditional growing up, if you will. And so... She's my mentor to this day. If I have questions about, you know, how do I reply to this or how do I handle the situation? Like she's been there, done that. And so she kind of guides me and I really wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for her. And so just having very strong women in our lives is really important. And so I, you know, I hope to be that for somebody. And if I have a daughter someday, I hope to be that for her too.
3: I love that, Delia. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Thank you for being a guest on your sh- in our show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great.
3: Hey, everybody. And just a friendly reminder, if you have any guests that you think would be great for the show or any topics that you think would be great, please send them to Eric and I at 2cyberchicks. That's number 2cyberchicks at gmail.com. See you all in two weeks.
0: you enjoyed this episode of two cyber chicks podcast with erica and Jax. if you learned something new and this podcast made you think then share itspmagazine.com with your friends family and colleagues if you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations sponsor one or more of our podcast channels we hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.